I'm here with Soprana, who is a beautiful woman who is the founder of She Creates Change, which started in New York, I believe. And it's yes. a, basically an organization that facilitates women's empowerment. So they, they, you coach them through and allow them to find their purpose and power in their life. Is that close to the truth? That's perfectly spot on. <laughs> and you've been doing that for about nine years, is it? Or uh, I've been doing that since 2009. 2009, so nine yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yep. What, what got you into that in the first place and what, why do you care about doing that? I think, obviously, it's a fantastic course. <laughs> you know, a couple of things. First, I'll just give you the background on how I got into this to begin with. Mm. Um, in 2001, I did an eight-week course called Living the Dream, and it was with a group of people that had healed their son out of autism. Right. So uh, through unconditional love and presence, they healed him out of autism, and then they created an adult program. That, that program is called Sunrise, S-O-N-R-I-S-E. And anyone that might be listening that wants to learn more, it's www.option.org. And then they created an adult program. So I did an eight-week program. It was six hours a day, five days a week for eight weeks straight. And it was all group facilitation. And that's what led me to knowing that becoming a life coach, doing group facilitation work, teaching, speaking, writing – was my passion and purpose. Mm. And then for four years prior to She Creates Change, I joined a company called Passion Into Practice. Mm. Find what you love and turn it into what you do. And I worked with men and women to help them find their calling. But it was mostly young professional women that were finding me, 30s, 40s, sometimes 20s. Mm. And I just got really clear, it's women that I'm meant to serve. And it's funny Mm. because as I narrowed my market, my business grew. So I got really clear who my woman is. Mm. Um, She's trapped in a corporate job. She's unhappy in her work, um, out of balance in her life. She's looking for more purpose, more meaning to give back and to align her gifts with her work. Beautiful. So that's a little bit of background on how I ended up there. Super helpful. Like super helpful, isn't it? (laughs) And it must be very rewarding seeing people transform from that space. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially... Jeremy, I feel like we're in a time where women are still very young in the world of work. We haven't Mm. been working for even 100 years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women stepped into traditionally masculine roles in business. And I feel like it's our time to step into our divine feminine, Mm. to really embrace our gifts, and to really bring balance back into the world by giving back and by making the world a better place. So that's the common factor in the women that find me. They want more meaning and more purpose, and they want to be living a life more of service. And But in the workplace, specifically workplace. Specifically work. Yeah. Um, And that's, I mean, that sounds amazing. So uh, one thing that sprung to mind then is something Jordan Peterson said about the difference in the biology of the masculine and feminine in terms of like the roles and the the power that they can fall into that. Because one thing I've observed, and this is, I don't want it to be a judgment so much, is like, I think because the um, masculine energy um, is so strong in in terms of the power places in, in workforce. It's the feminine energy has to embody. It, it seems like it's embodying somewhat of a masculine energy to like try to topple it back or recalibrate it. But um, I, uh, from observation, I find women that step into their feminine power and then like skyrocket, you know, because they the masculine or the male can't embody that so well. That's that's creating more of a. If that analogy makes sense. It feels like that that methodology has created more of a nice equilibrium. Yep. Um, exactly. Does that make sense, or is that yep. like just a weird thing? No. 
<laughs> no, that's exactly what needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. We need right. to bring balance back into the world. It's when you said divine feminine. That's yep. what that's what stuck out, and I was like, because I mean, I can even speak for myself because I think we've all got these masculine and feminine energies mm. in ourselves and totally i've had too much of the feminine energy of just cha- of like creativity and chaos and infinite potential and idea 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 i mean i f- feel like that's a bit of a feminine energy and my masculine yep. energy is the, is the logical structural deadlines um you know yep. and and um i didn't have enough of that deadline so i've just realized that i've needed to create you know bullet points of what I need to attain by what dates and yep. and then I can calibrate even myself yep. <laughs> you know <laughs> you need both yeah you yeah. need both definitely but the women um but but the women the woman energy or the feminine energy in the world I feel is massively needed in terms of the yeah. nurturing the love the the wisdom the emotional intelligence absolutely all that connectivity in the workplace absolutely oh it's needed right yeah <laughs> I mean, Badly. That's what your work is. <laughs> that's what my work is. Exactly. Um, so that so that course that triggered that change for you. What? Where did you go within yourself on that eight weeks? Was it eight that, weeks? Yeah. Where did you go within yourself on that period that um, that really shift made a significant enough shift to f- to feel brave enough to leave a secure income and such? Yeah. So it was really interesting towards the end of the program. So going into the program, I felt very afraid to leave that paycheck. It was a metaphor that I often tell my clients. It's like I was on a life raft and it's Mm. like someone took my life raft away and I was going to drown. And then I did the eight-week course and I declared at the end of the course that I'm going to live an extraordinary life. I came home. This was a month before 9-11 happened. So it was 2001 summer. And um, I was part of a project that was 11 months long. I was a consultant and I was going to do one more month and then I was going to finish up the project and then I was going to quit to pursue my life coaching career. And as happenstance would have it, it was during financial markets were taking a downturn at that time. They closed my entire department down. They let me go and they gave me severance. Oh. So I was like, this is perfect. And you know what's amazing? I never went back to work for anyone after that. Wow. And that was 2001. So it's been 17 years. It's almost like the universe made the decision or like facilitated it for you. Totally. Beautiful. Yeah. And I was, and, and it's funny because a lot of people were losing their job at the time. And one of the things I learned at the Option Institute is that challenging things are, are actually blessings. Mm. So I went around telling everyone, oh, I lost my job. And people would say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I say, don't say sorry. Congratulate me. I'm on to my next greatest adventure. <laughs> and the even more, more fun part is I never went back to work doing anything that I used to do. Mm. So everything I did after that was coaching and helping and teaching. And Mm-mm-mm. so I, mm. I entered my career and then I never left. Wow. Yeah. Because I, I love, because you studied um, uh, uh, psychology in the workplace, essentially. I did. I and did. That, that sounded, that, I mean, we'll go into that in a minute, but I want to go a little bit deeper on like that, that actual inner world process that you went through, which yep. allowed you to, you know, transcend your fears and, um, and remove those blockages. Like, was there, was there any significant, like direct experience moment in that eight week period where you're like, whoa, now I'm not, not going to be governed by my fears or, um, you know, or was it just a gradual, you know, transition? Or? You know, it's a great question. Um, there wasn't anything in that eight week period that got me moving, but I will say this, um, from 2001 to 2006, I, wa- I was doing the coaching and stuff, but not really. Like I was part of that coaching company passion into practice, but I wasn't really coaching clients. I was right. more just selling the work. Yeah. 
And then I had an experience where I was in Boston and um, alcohol is something that was very toxic in my life. And I knew for about a decade that if if I kept drinking, my dreams would never come true. But I kept drinking anyway. Mm. And in 2006, I was at a conference and it was a career conference and I was had a booth up and I was basically enticing people to come and become a passion into practice facilitator and work with us. And I hadn't had a drink for two months and I went to a party and I was drinking my seltzer water and cranberry juice and I noticed a really good looking man. And the next day, his right hand man named Morgan came up to me and said, um, Philip would like you to join us for drinks. Philip would like to invite you to dinner. And Philip was this really attractive man. And I was like, oh, Philip wants to see me. <laughs> so I went to the hotel room to have drinks with them. And I hadn't had a drink for two months. I had sworn off drinking. And they handed me a glass of Chardonnay. And I remember looking at that glass of wine and thinking, I don't want this. And then I drank it anyway. And I kept drinking and I kept drinking, got really drunk, of course, got more flirtatious with Philip. At around 1 a.m., he turns and he looks at me and he says, Parna, I think there's something you should know. And I said, what? And he said, I'm gay. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I blew my, my two months to make a pass at a gay guy. And if he was straight, he would just be turned off by the drunkenness anyway. So I got up the next day, totally hungover. And Morgan, his right, man, hand, right hand man, comes over to me and he says, how are you feeling? And I was like, I hadn't had a drink in two months. And he goes, we're going for a walk later. And I said, okay. So we went for a walk by the river. And he says to me, Sparna, my dad was an active alcoholic his whole life. And one day he went outside, he stumbled, he fell, he passed out, and he was buried alive in the snow. And I was like, this is no one's dream. This is the worst version of reality for this man. This is how his life ended. And then he said something to me, Jeremy, that was the most important thing that anyone ever said to me. Mm -hmm. He said, no change, no change. If you don't start making changes, nothing is going to change. And it was like a huge awakening. It was the biggest mm-hmm. awakening moment of my life. I just had had so many people saying to me, you have so much potential. You have so much potential to do so much. And I had all this potential, but it hadn't been realized. I hadn't really coached any clients. I was in this business. The business wasn't really working. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me. It was like, it was literally like a near death experience where my whole life flashed before my eyes. I was like, my health is no good. My money is no good. Mm. I'm not really coaching clients. I have really toxic men that I'm attracted to that are attracted to me. Mm. And I just, in that moment, I was like, if I don't move, I might end up here in 10 years. And it Mm. scared the living daylights out Mm. of me. And I was like, I'm done. I've never had a drink since. That was that was April of 2006. Um, I started a morning practice where in the morning I chanted, did yoga, journaled, uh, meditated. I, so I started my morning practice. I started, uh, I stopped drinking mm. and my whole life took off. My business grew by 500% that year. Whoa. Um, uh, not present company, because um, I'm in a very um, serious, loving relationship right now. But at the time, I attracted the best man up until that point that I'd ever met. Mm. He was so good to me. It was like the reflection started to change. My life started to change. Mm. So it was when I got integrity with what I was teaching Mm. and walking my walk. And I often say this, there are a lot of life coaches out there, Mm. but the way you know if someone's qualified is if they're working. Mm. Like the universe will let you know if you're ready for something or not. The universe will bestow upon you 
the the honor and privilege to work with clients if you're really ready. Mm. And so that was my big turning point mm. when I had to get into alignment with myself to mm. walk my walk. Amazing. Yeah. So that was that was the internal work that I did where I just saw the possibilities, Jeremy. Like I believe we're on different trajectories, but I believe I changed the trajectory of my life in that moment through mm. making that choice. It mm. changed my entire future because mm. I think if I'd kept drinking, I wouldn't have amounted to anything. Mm-hmm. It feels a bit like um, Joseph Campbell's hero journey a little bit. Like you had yeah. the awakening, the realization, yeah. and then kind of still tinkering, still had the drink. You know, like the the re- the, the, the the there's always the um, retract before you make the final yeah. leap over the line. Yeah. Um, and then when you do, you're entirely convicted. Totally. And that sounds like exactly and what it, you're And I haven't from. even been tempted since yeah. 2000. Amazing. Like not even one sip have I wanted. It was Amazing. like it was just gone. That's fascinating. That it just Grace. like Yeah, right. It's just it's just like fully just removed. Change your, yeah. your, and no temptation, no feeling like, None. oh, it would be nice to have a glass of wine. None. No. <laughs> no, and I loved to drink before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was it was like it was removed from me that day. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Sounds almost like what some people go through on ayahuasca retreats, like oh. when, when they have like um they have a sense or an intention that they want to stop smoking weed or drinking or any habit that they know isn't service servicing yeah. them and then they go there with that intention and it just dissipates and they don't even feel attraction to it anymore. Yeah. Um, but you can obviously do it in a more sustainable way without yeah, yeah. Um, plant medicine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so then from then these practices, what were, what were some of the practices the, the most, where, where did you find them like meditation, etc., and, and what, why did they appeal to you? Yeah. So, um, I was introduced to a spiritual leader named Guru Mai. Um, do you remember Elizabeth Gilbert? No, I don't know. Eat, pray, love. Oh, yes. Eat, pray, love. It's her guru. Right. So I was introduced to her in, I think, 1998, 1999, 1997. Amazing. And I went to her ashram. And so I was chanting with her. Um, I was doing practices, um, meditation. I had, I had gone to an Ayurvedic retreat in mm. the Berkshires, so I learned to do yoga on that. So I was following a very Ayurvedic sort of lifestyle, mm. but I, I never immersed myself in that community because somehow I didn't feel totally drawn into it. So I mm. did the practices for a little while. They sort of fell off. Mm. And then in 2010, I found my current path, which I've gone very deep with called the art of living. Beautiful. Yeah. And th- there I learned a very specific breathing sequence called the Sudarshan Kriya, Su means proper, darshan means vision, and kriya means purifying action. It's a very powerful breathing sequence that purifies the nervous system. Mm. They actually did studies on veterans that had done this course, and they found that after one weekend of doing it, their anxiety levels dropped to subclinical. And after a year, they started getting off of their medications, healing their PTSD. Really, really powerful. It's amazing. So it's like a Sanskrit mantra, almost, or like um, sutra or something. Uh, it's a breathing sequence. But so, so you, you intend the sound, or no, no, no you yeah. do the actual breathing sequence. Oh right, so, gotcha. Sorry. Um, like ujjayi breath and bastaka and pranayam, and so it's a very specific twenty-minute breathing sequence that you do every morning. Awesome. Yeah, and then I got a mantra from the Art of Living as well. So I, they have a, a course called Sahaj Samadhi, which means effortless bliss. 
And um, and then I go on silent retreats and do yoga and chanting. And Beautiful. So it's a whole path and a whole and, – and the community is very strong. Their key – one of their key pillars is doing seva, which is doing service, doing okay. volunteer work. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of volunteer work for them mm-hmm. as well. It's mm-hmm. so rewarding. Amazing. And so fulfilling, yeah. It's it's something that feels very lacking, you know, in, in our world in yeah. terms of um, community and such. I feel like um, – like I, I suppose religion and church used to be that in a large extent, you know, having a place yeah. to go regularly with your community and commune together over one common purpose. And we don't, we're really fragmented as a, as a culture, aren't we? Because we yeah. don't have these, but there's these new ones popping up. I don't know how old that is or new it is or whatever. About but, 35 years. Yeah. So it's yeah. relatively new, but, relatively it's, new, yeah. but, but it's, it, but it's a, it's a culture or a community that you can yeah. go to that, provides all those things, yep. which just really shows how much we need it, doesn't it? Totally. And you know, Jeremy, I tell people this because um, I run intro talks for them. If you think about it like this, this is the metaphor I use with people um, as far as the practices go and meditation in particular. Um, I say to people, um, do you have a carpet? So Jeremy, do you have a carpet? I don't. Okay. But pretend you had a carpet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's like to have a carpet. That'll be truthful. <laughs> you know what it's like to have a carpet. Yeah, yeah. Imagine for a moment that you never, ever, 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 ever cleaned your carpet. How would that be? Yucky. Disgusting. Not, like, not, not scraping my tongue every Like morning. you can't imagine not cleaning your carpet. No. But it's not a part of you, right? Your tongue is and okay. your teeth are. Okay. So imagine for a moment that you never, ever, 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 ever brushed your teeth. How would that be? Even more gross. I mean unfathomable. You, we can't even imagine it, right? If we never showered, if we never brushed our teeth, if we never scraped our tongue, what would we be like? And did you know... Dirty little rats. Dirty little rats. Did, Unless, you know, yeah. did you know that in the West, the people in the West went to the East and the people in the East taught them to brush their teeth? The people in the West went to the East and the people in the East taught the taught West... the Westerners to brush oh, really? their teeth. Yeah. So in the same way, how do we brush our mind? How do we brush our inner world? Meditation, breath, chanting, Mm. journaling. This is all the inner world work. Like, how do we take care of our mind? We don't. And that's why I believe we have a world that's lost its way. And if more of us meditated, if more of us brushed our mind, brushed our soul, did spiritual practice, I actually believe the whole world could transform. What if our world leaders How, meditated? Oh, my goodness. How could it not? Hey. How could it not? So that's why I do these practices, because mm. it just takes care of my happiness, my joy, my centeredness, my mm. calmness, my focus, my clarity, all mm. of it. Mm. Beautiful. I love it. I, one thing I find is, you know, people... You know, I've spoken to friends that aren't interested in meditation and these spiritual practices purely because they haven't had the genuine motivation to. And I feel like I can only speak from my personal experience. I had the personal motivation to because I was in like a real psychological trauma myself, Mm. like chronically depressed and mentally and physically ill. And so I I was like, well, I need a way out of this. And this is the only actual practice that that can create change in my my anatomy. Totally. Um, Changes your brain. Changes it totally. Yeah. Experience it. Yeah. And... But for people that aren't interested in it, then they're not just not interested. They, they don't. They, so what I'm trying to say is, like, do we need to cr- have an experience of almost trauma or or suffering or 
or something or other to trigger uh, an awakening? Or is it just so um, bereft from our, not in our culture, like in Eastern culture, it's just a part of your, yeah. you know, your upbringing? Um, Here's what I think. I think a lot of people don't meditate because they don't have access to it. Like it hasn't, they're going too fast. It doesn't occur to them to do it. Mm. They haven't been introduced to it in a meaningful, impactful way. So I believe, Jeremy, that yoga spread, look at how prevalent yoga Mm. is. I think it was um, um, Yogananda that really brought yoga in, I think in the 20s, in the 30s, like that. So I believe Mm. meditation is coming to its sort of zeitgeist time where mm, mm. it's spreading. More and more people are starting to meditate. Mm. And just like there's a yoga studio on every corner in New York City, I believe the same thing can happen for meditation, that mm. it's just, it's time has come now. Mm. And I think, you know what they say, you reach a tipping point and then it just spreads. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have to endure trauma. I just feel like mm. if more people were introduced to it, if it became more mainstream, mm. more people would do it. Yeah, true. Just like yoga. Look yeah. at how prevalent yoga is. That's true. And people yeah. don't do that necessarily for spiritual practice. They do it for more exercise or yeah. a, a sense that it gives them maybe. Yeah. And I think people do feel better after they yeah. do yoga. But yeah. it's so much more common for people mm. to do that mm. in the same way I believe uh, meditation can spread. I think the the tricky one, of, and I agree, I think meditation is going to hit that 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 point soon. Um the the reason I think one of the reasons the hurdles for it in a lot of people's minds is they're like doing nothing for 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) but there's so much to do that's right and we're always doing but there's not enough time going inside reflection yeah Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah amazing so where's um, She Creates Change at the moment and where where you wanted to take it and what's your feeling with it next because like with any organization they develop and change yeah Yeah, so I had started in 2009 and I did a lot of four month long in person workshops where I did a weekend 20 hour weekend a Friday night Saturday Sunday and then 14 weeks follow up in person for two two hours a week Mm. so I've brought it to Melbourne Um, I've just launched it in the last month Actually, I've done five talks. I've been in front of about 100 women, and they're totally signing up. I actually have a three-and-a-half-day weekend happening next weekend in Richmond. Yep, so I have a handful of women signed up for that, so that's really exciting. I'm doing a five-day retreat in Byron Bay in September Mm -hmm. with six weeks follow-up. And then my scale-up version, Jeremy, is this. Um, I've written a curriculum. It has 14 chapters, 12 principles. And it has um, 100 exercises. So Mm. 14 chapters, seven exercises per chapter. 14 chapters is about 98. And then Mm. there's an opening question and a closing question. So it's 100 questions, 100 videos, 100 worksheets. So my scale-up plan is to promote it and get it out there, get people to buy the digital course with instructions. And then as soon as they sign up, they get matched up in a small group with other women. And then they go through it like a book club. Oh, cool. So they, That's yeah, a great idea. Yeah. So they, they do the worksheets, they watch the videos, and then every week they meet and they talk about the work. Perfect. So I want to get circles of women happening all over the oh, world. I love that. Yeah. So, it's, so it should be done with someone else. Yeah. I don't want people to do it by themselves because you don't have the same kind of space being held and accountability happening. And Mm-mm. and there's something that's so powerful just about more than one people come together over a similar thing yeah. and, and their question and answers and the exactly. pr- problem solving and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And community, having yeah. community around it. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So, That's... and I would want them to do it over Zoom or Skype, some kind of video teleconferencing. Mm. And if they're, if 
people sign up in person, uh, sorry, if people from Melbourne sign up, if I focus on one city and I get a lot of people from Melbourne signing up, they can always meet up in person. Mm, mm. So they can do either over the over the video or in person. So good. Yeah, I'm excited. That's so I'm excited. Cool. I'm launching it actually with a women's incubator called, um, oh my God. One Roof, is it? No, no. not One Roof in LA. Oh, um, right. It, um, it's a it's a women's incubator. I just got introduced to them. Mm. Um, feminine intelligence, feminine, feminine intelligence. intelligence, and she's created an app and a community. And so women are channeling into that community, and then we're going to be selling them this course. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. So that's happening as well. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So and that, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so that launched last month, or that's about to launch in this coming weekend. The the feminine intelligence is going to launch in September, and the in-person workshop that I'm doing. The first one is happening next Thursday. Awesome. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. So it's the women of Melbourne. I've brought it to Melbourne and yeah. I love teaching and coaching and watching women transform. And mm-hmm. so that's been really exciting mm-hmm. for me to meet all these new women in Melbourne. So cool. And there's yeah. so many people in these workplaces yeah. that need this kind of help. Yeah. And I got a really good response, Jeremy. Like my mm. intro talk that I had this past Thursday, I had over 100 registrations. Mm. So Amazing. The women are just – and oh. most of that was word of mouth. Like I barely advertised. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. They're just eating it up. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how wonderful. And what's the social handles and like how, what's the website and how can people get more information? Yeah, www.shecreateschange.com is the website. I would say the best thing is to go to there, get on my mailing list. Um, you can also write to me at Suparna, S-U-P-A-R-N-A, at shecreateschange.com. Just write to me. We can set up a call, set up a meeting. I'd love to meet people and hear what their needs are and see if there's any way I can be of service to them. Beautiful. Yeah. How cool. Well, go you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I really do think it's it's like a super important shift to happen in our culture yeah. for for women to fall into their power, you know, yeah. fall into their empower, yeah. their divine, unique, like it's the most powerful force in nature. Yeah. You know, feminine, yeah. creative, creating life. Exactly. It's like if we don't honor this and have absolute reverence and support of it, it's for the worst of this planet, really, our existence. Yeah. yeah. So, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you studied um, psychology in the workplace, because that, that to yep. me is like a fascinating area. Yeah. I had a, another friend, Radic Sally, who on who did yep. um, Swiss, and they yep. th- they they were very conscious of a lot of that kind of things, like meditation in the workplace, etc. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know what your feelings are and your learnings from that time were about how to better facilitate a workplace environment if it's meditating like compulsive, not compulsive, you know, like you have to meditate when you get to work or, <laughs> um, and, or any other practices or behaviors. Cause I, I, I just hear again and again, the icky stories of like, even my mate the other day said, his boss said, trust is good, but what's better than trust is control. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just like, Oh, I'd, I'd oh, want to just no. leave, quit that job straight away. But there's, there's a lot of things like that where people, there's just, just this clingy, grippy, um, and I don't know where it comes from, if it comes from higher up of like, it's, it's this ignorant mindset of, um, of, it seems very ignorant, basically. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know how to, I don't know how to source it yeah. in any one thing. Yeah, well, it's the wounded masculine. Okay, there you go. Yep. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's the wounded masculine wanting to control, wanting to dominate that. And I think our workplace is overrun with that energy. Wow. So the wounded masculine. So that means men that have gone through 
are wounded emotionally or yep. from their upbringing or could be yeah yeah, yeah. so there's just maybe some archetypes that'll help there's the wounded masculine which is like power and dom i wouldn't say power power in a very dark way so mm. dark power manipulation control aggression this is all the wounded masculine the divine masculine is actually to be of service so when you're going out in the world you're giving back you're helping you're in service of humanity, this is the divine masculine. Mm. The wounded feminine is like that victim um, sort of consciousness. Yep. Victim consciousness yeah, gotcha. is the wounded feminine. Mm. And then the divine feminine are the things that you talked about. Compassion, oh. nurturing, love, um, taking so care. Yeah, so there, so there are four archetypes. Yeah, right. So the it's energy... Like the, sh- the shadow version exactly. of each. Exactly. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah, that's super helpful. Yeah. So, so the it's. I mean, if only we could be so easy about communication. If you're an employee and just go to your boss, like you sound very wounded. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on emotionally? And this is Jeremy. Just a totally separate point. This is something I think is getting confused in our sort of Me Too culture. Is men are starting to feel bad about their masculine. Okay. And they're because they haven't separated it out. You know, it's it's that aggressive masculine energy that's a problem. But otherwise, masculine energy can be very, very beautiful. Mm. So I think I think that's where people are sort of getting so, confused because they're collapsing the divine masculine with the wounded masculine. So mm, the mm. masculine is such a necessary f- force for the feminine mm. in the same way that you described, like that creativity just can be chaotic if it's not contained, Mm. you know, Mm. so providing that focus, providing that structure, providing that direction is the masculine. The feminine wants to free flow. So I think as women, Mm. we, we desperately need the masculine in Mm. our lives. And Mm. if we can acknowledge and embrace that and encourage men to really be in their divine masculine, because men just want women to love them. Actually, I really believe that, Mm. you know? Mm. And so Everybody that's wounded is really just crying out for love. So I believe if yeah. we can bring Donald more, Trump, why don't you see this? I really think he just wants, look at him. Yeah, he just absolutely. wants attention. <laughs> he wants people to love him. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just funny. It's yeah. like, it's so. When you can see it as clearly as you're saying it, it's just like a wounded masculine versus divine masculine. I think that's such a beautiful, easy way to go, oh, what's going on there with that person behaving like yeah. that? Oh, he's just wounded. He's just wounded. Poor guy. And wounded is a good way to say it rather than the shadow masculine. Yeah. That can even create an idea of like um, almost judgment or opinion yeah. and separation or otherness. But the, the wounded is is a, is a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Beautiful way yeah, to put so it. This, so I think as women, we have a responsibility to look after our men. Mm. And, we, and what we don't want to do is respond to any aggression with more aggression. Mm-hmm. We as women need to step into our divine feminine where we nurture, where we embrace, where we look after. This is what I believe needs to happen for men and women to come together. I couldn't agree with you more. And so you feel like women are, have been being a bit aggressive with it. Is that why you yeah. said that? Yeah, yeah. I do think so. Yeah. There's a backlash happening <laughs> yeah. and women are getting very aggressive. And I think this is a problem. Mm, mm. I think we need to open our hearts more. Mm, mm. We need to hold firm and use our voice and hold our boundaries and call out things that aren't working. Definitely. Mm. But I think there's been a backlash where there's a lot of anger now. Mm. And I think it needs to be heard, but it needs to be resolved. And we need to move into our heart. And we need Mm. to move into a place of love and compassion for men that are suffering. Mm. And the more we elevate our consciousness 
and really move into that divine feminine, the more men will elevate their consciousness and meet us there. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's that it's it's kind of the race of who will elevate their consciousness quicker. <laughs> and yeah. I think as women I don't know, like we have a responsibility to our men mm. to really help them awaken. As you we, know, because women are more drawn to okay. sort of personal development and spirituality mm. and stuff like that. So as women, I believe we're the light bearers. Like we're meant to bring our men to the light. Mm. I really believe that. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. <laughs> I feel, as, as, it, as a man, you as might a, like as that. As a man, I feel like, oh, yeah, you, you've exactly. got my back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is a beautiful thing. Because I was about to say, as you're saying that, um, and it's my, I feel like it's men's responsibility as well to absolutely like facilitate the woman's expanding of consciousness totally. and, and supporting their, their totally. actual, uh, characteristics. But um, me saying it, does it feel as yummy for you as when totally. you it to me? <laughs> totally. That's what I was saying. We need men. We need each we other. We need yeah. men to take care of us. Yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. Totally. Provide that direction. Provide that container. Provide that structure. Provide that guidance. Mm. Totally. Well, but just when you said it, I think it just, it just filled a hole in me. That there's this part of me that feels like I... No one's got my back. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you said that, it just had this warmth that almost like uh, just softened my whole body and made yeah. me feel less tense and exactly. and kind of like a little bit emotional and just it just felt nice. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Um, so it, that says to me that it's a, you know, that's a, there's something in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how can we do that in an actual terms in our workplace then? Like what's a, what's, what's a, if someone's listening and is in that, you know, troubled place, feel really distasteful of their workplace and their yep. environment, what, what's something they could do in terms of like maybe reaching out to HR and saying, suggesting da di da or, you know. You know, it's a good question, Jeremy. It's tricky though, because, um, uh, environments, work environments have a culture. And the culture might be really toxic. And for that person, they might need to just get out mm, because mm. it's a systemic change. It needs to come from the top down. There needs to be a real effort made to make it a less less toxic environment. So my clients used to come to me, Jeremy, like they weren't allowed to have a lunch break. If there's a way to change it, then speak up, hold your boundary, don't get angry, don't get reactive, mm. um, stay centered. Mm. But if the environment is so toxic... You might just need to get out. Ooh, yeah, that's so true. You might hey. just need to get out because it's a whole system. It's like a, it's like one person trying to fight a massive wave. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's almost... And the leadership, I really believe this as an organizational psychologist, it has to come from the top down. Right. The leadership has to want to embody a transformation. Gotcha. And I feel like if somebody's stuck in something that's really toxic, I usually advise them to leave. So that's a really interesting thing you touched on then because I've always wondered the difference and this might be different for social hierarchy or powers in, in economic, you know, broader political landscape, but um, the difference between change coming from bottom up and top down, yep. I always feel like in my head, well, my intuition goes top down in politics and power and everywhere because cause it, cause it would just drip, drip everywhere. Totally. And, but, but then a lot of people are by the belief of the powers of the people and if enough people change, yes. that will change the top. Yes. Maybe both are true. Both are true. I believe in our um, civil society, 
I think it needs to be the masses need to organize in such a way that we the way the people did after Donald Trump got elected, right? More and more people mm. got involved with their local government. Mm. More and more people are now running for office. They're sort of taking their power back because mm. there's been a I think with Obama, I'm just going to talk about the U.S. because I'm American. Yeah. I think with Obama, people became complacent. They're like, oh, we have Obama, so we don't really have to do anything. And now with Trump in office, it's really galvanized people on the left, people in general mm. um, have to get involved, take responsibility. So in that case, Jeremy, I believe mm. that's true. Mm. In an organization, there can't really be an uprising the same way. Mm. You know, it's just set up very differently. You go to work. You have an agreement to be there. You're getting paid to be there. Yeah. It's an exchange. Um, the the company has a culture. So in that case, I believe it has to happen from top down. Very interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. very true, isn't it? It's yeah. good to d discern, discern the differences there in what's the the uh, mechanics of the power play almost. Yeah. Like the, the, the employment, the contract, the, um, that's a big one. And then and and society, it's more like we're choosing to show up and yeah. – um, there's no contract. And well. we're choosing our leaders. Mm, mm. And we have the right Supposedly. to run. Supposedly. <laughs> God only knows, Jeremy. <laughs> I was in the fetal position the day of the U.S. election. Oh, really? really? <laughs> I mean, I actually was sort of had a little mini breakdown. No I, doubt. I mean, I was pretty traumatized. Oh. I had an election party at the house because, you know, we get up in the morning and it's um, the night, Tuesday night in America. I had friends over. I had streamers up. We had someone brought champagne. I wasn't going to have the champagne, yeah. but someone brought champagne. <laughs> and then midway through the day, we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was just one of those days where the it was surreal. Party. Yeah. It was the worst party. Everyone left early. <laughs> Did they, and this, they didn't even see it out to the end. They no, already knew it was coming. Left. Yeah, people left. Oh, how sad. That, oh, the energy. Bad. Imagine the state of the collective consciousness in America on that day. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. if you could somehow get a like some something Tesla made that could read the the electrofrequency of everyone. Could you imagine? Total shock and confusion. Oh, I'm sure all the trees probably died that day. I know, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's what amazing. A day that was. But but you, what, what's your feeling on it? Yeah, here's my feeling on it. In some ways, it might be what we needed, which mm -hmm. is a nice big slap. Um, are you familiar with the? goddess Kali. Yes. Kali. She, she kills anything that isn't love. So I think Kali had her day where she was like, like, wake up people. And I believe it's a wake up call. And I do believe that if we choose to do it, and I believe there are a lot of people that are doing it, more people stepped up after that. This is what I heard to become more socially responsible, to look after the environment. We started to feel like, oh my God, uh, it's in my hands. Yes. Like I can no longer trust the people at the top. So now it's in my hands. Yes. I know a lot of people that are running for office Do you? that yeah. never would have run for office yeah. otherwise, people with a lot of integrity. So I'm, so I'm praying, we'll see what happens, but I'm praying in the next election, we put forth the leader that truly embodies the values that we want. Mm. Um, and then I also feel like, and I was told this, that we had Obama, and I believe he had a strong character and a lot of integrity, and there was a backlash against that, so the pendulum swung mm. the other way. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see who gets in this next term and if Trump gets reelected. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I, I think that's what you said is really powerful. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the one, one extra thing I'd add to it is that like, I feel with Obama... 
just like some leaders in the UK as well, they, they, they appear very lovely and charming, but there's all this kind of darkness that actions yeah. that they're, they're actualizing, like from drone bombings and the yeah. whole war in general. Yeah. Um, but we're in a smile. But something about Trump's honesty, and even of Tony Abbott, I suppose, previously, like he had this really, they're just a very honest, what you see is what you get. And it's kind of refreshing in the sense that I know he's not bullshitting me. But I don't like a thing he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at least I know what I'm getting. But I think he does lie, Jeremy. Uh, d- yeah, Trump. Trump. Yeah. He lies. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really have a poker face because he just wears everything out on the open. Like doesn't even his face doesn't, doesn't really work. He probably. doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe he's a liar. Like he's totally not trustworthy. He's the embodiment of the wounded masculine. Yes. He's frozen at the age of five. Yeah. yeah. Like he actually has temper tantrums. It's amazing to watch and that we elected him like I'm maybe I'm still in shock I don't know (laughs) (laughs) oh it's amazing I went to get my US visa for when I'm working there next month and um, walking into the embassy and seeing Donald Trump from you know whatever his TV shows were as a framed portrait of the the head of the state oh my god I was just like oh can I tell you just a funny little story yeah so in California I don't know when was the last time you were in California but I, I go there a lot being American I go there a lot so so when you when you enter the country from Australia, there's a welcome sort of welcome to the United States. And then there used to be a picture of Obama. So welcome to the United States. And on the right hand side, a picture of Obama. So after the election, I went there and there was no longer a picture. It was just a black square. So it was like, OK, they're going to put Trump's picture in. Then I went back six months later. <laughs> there was no picture. It just says, welcome to the United States. They did not replace Obama with Trump, California. Wow. There's no picture now. That's amazing. Amazing. Man, because for California, I mean, America... They almost succeeded. That's amazing. They almost became their own country. <laughs> Imagine, because like California is a, is a state that I'm like, I'm down on you guys. You guys are progressive. California is amazing. Isn't it? I love it. Because America is progressive in general. I mean, like at least New York yeah. and... Yeah, um, certain cities. Certain, certain cities. cities, Jeremy. Certain cities. <laughs> <laughs> so do not go It's central. like different countries. Yeah. It's like different countries within America. Yeah. Well, California's population... Uh, sorry, California's economy is like... I'm making Killing it up, it. but like the fifth biggest economy in the world. Like oh. there's 55 million people Apple, in California. Facebook. There's only 23 million people in Australia. So say that again, 54. 55 million population in California. Yeah. 23 million in Australia. Oh dear, we're not doing so good. Two like. and a half times population size California is of this entire country. Wow. Yeah. Just to give you some perspective. Let's hope that our economic and... Um, I mean, it's not all about ec- economy, but let's hope our economy earnings is the same. Uh, half of California. <laughs> the the quality, the earning, um, what I've found, Jeremy, as an American, is the the standard of living in Australia is very high. I think people are paid a living wage. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. the standard of living, like, people are just better off. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. mm mm-hmm. Than California. Than California. Yeah, right. I mean, there's definitely wealthy pockets of people, but overall, overall. apples to apples. Yeah, right. I think Australian is a wealthier country. Yeah, it's just right. my perception. I don't mm, know if that's mm, true. Mm, mm. Like more people are well, more people are comfortable. Correct. So, Correct. So what, what do you think uh, California, like, because that's why I'm drawn to America, like yeah. not because f- I feel like there's a need there and also I feel like um, it's progressive, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a progressive culture and... Um, that's why I think it's exciting. There's a lot of, obviously, a lot of 
bollocks <laughs> in pop culture and everything like that. But w- where do you see like California going? Do you feel like they're they're a, a state that would go independent one day? Or? I don't think so. No, I don't think there was talks about it, but I don't think it'll actually happen. Mm. And we'll see who gets elected next time. Mm. You know, it'll be interesting to see who the Democrats put up. Um, what, what's frightening for me is that there's. Um, there's still more sensational hype around some, like, I don't know about the Kanye West thing, how real all that oh, is. Oh, uh, God, no, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, but, there's, but, but you see people like him playing, playing the game of sensationalism and hype and, and still the whole ignorant game. Yeah. And th- then there's, but I know there's such wise, beautiful, intelligent people. Yeah. And I wish that they would just get thrown in this. Like, why aren't. I know, I'm why sure aren't they, they running? Are. I yeah, know. It's crazy, running? right? Yeah. Bernie Sanders did. He was very left. He yeah. was like a socialist almost. But he had high character, high integrity. Hmm. Jeremy, I think this time around, we're going to see something different from the Democrats. Hmm. Hmm. I think they've gotten smart. Hmm. Um, there's a couple of people whose names I've been hearing. Cory Booker in Newark. Um, I think he might run. Hmm. Um well, it's going to be more people voting than ever before, probably, in America. I, let's see. Here's the problem with the voting in America, okay? Right. Here's the problem. It's the Electoral College. So my driver's license was from Maryland for many, many, many years, and I had to cast an absentee ballot. And because Maryland is 98% blue, because I know it's going to be a Democratic state and I know it's going to get the 10 electoral votes are going to go to the Democratic candidate – I didn't take the time to cast an absentee ballot, but during the McCain-Obama election, I was so active. I campaigned door-to-door in Pennsylvania. I got on a bus. I went to Pennsylvania. I get the vote out. I went Mm. to the – like I did so much volunteering during that election, but I didn't vote. Mm. And I didn't feel compelled to vote because I knew my vote wouldn't count. Mm. So I think a lot of the reason why people don't vote, it's in very blue or red states where they feel like their voice doesn't matter. So I was totally highly engaged in that election, but I didn't vote. Does that make sense? Mm, mm, mm. So um, it's the swing states that people focus on voting. Like I think probably the voting numbers are higher in in places like Ohio and Florida and Pennsylvania than they are in California and New gotcha. York. Yeah, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Do you know anything about um, um, just like in terms of uh, in terms of um, I don't know why it's just swung to psychedelics for some reason. <laughs> I was remembering ayahuasca, and I've been doing I've been doing lots of research about like plant based medicines and mushrooms and psilocybin and stuff. Um, and there's this one retreat center in um, I don't even know if you have any interest in. It. I don't know why I'm bringing it up, <laughs> but there's this place in Costa Rica called Rivmia, and it's the only place in the world that's medically approved to um, induce ayahuasca into people. Oh. So it's like a oh. it's a and and there's so much there's so much new science coming out around the you know cure and de- um, post-traumatic stress, yeah. um, depression, all I've sorts heard of stuff. This. So, I mean, that's one thing that I'm interested in, like California, they're, you know, they're more liberal with their yeah. laws. of. Like, I think their marijuana is legal. Yeah. yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah. And, and it won't be fun because, because like in terms of mental health and I mean, that's something I care about a lot, but um, it, it, it's been so ter- like medically, it's been so terribly uh, resolved. Like there's been no real sufficient solution since um, antidepressants like way back. Yep. And I think statistically, it's the only area of medicine that has failed mo- the most dismally in terms of what it's provided yep. people. Um, 
and that's why there's all this med, there's all this um, information around psilocybin at the moment and its transformative work. Um, anyway, I'm just interested in that whole area at the moment. I don't know if you go. You, I don't know you much don't really about it. You don't go deep on that stuff. I don't. I don't. I've never tried it, and I don't know mm. much about it. Mm, mm. I, I know people that are really into it, but I haven't. Yeah. Just I haven't gone there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious because Michael, <laughs> Michael, Michael Pollan is this guy that's come out recently and he's a very good spokesperson for it because he's very objective about it and he's not – a lot of people that get into it or do it or try it are like, oh, my God, everyone should do this. The world would be different if they did it because they have this direct experience that's yeah. completely altered state of consciousness. I've heard, I've heard a lot about it from people mm, but mm, mm, not mm. not much I, – I wouldn't be able to speak intelligently on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I'm just interested. That's like my, what I'm most passionate about at the moment. What, <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> What do you? What is there any areas of like interest that you're most passionate about at the moment? Um, I'll make a joke. Yeah. I'm very passionate about <laughs> Melbourne winning on Monday against Collingwood. <laughs> oh, good! They're your team now that you're in Melbourne. They're my team. Yeah. They're my team. And I was. I'm in a footy tipping competition with 20 people, and for a few weeks, I was number one. That's right. I saw Pete post that. Yeah, yeah. You were, this is a disgrace. <laughs> All these guys that know so much about football, and you just come in and just like number one. <laughs> Bow down. Um, I think probably the thing the thing that I'm most passionate about right now is to get out there, do speaking, um, bring she create change to the world. That's a new thing for me. I've only been doing it in the last month, so I feel like that's where a lot of my attention is going. And then mm. always on my spiritual practice, on my spiritual community, mm. Mm. Um, on doing my spiritual practice every day. Um, and then the other thing I'm quite passionate about right now is healthy eating and healthy living. Cool. Um, so I've been really playing with my food and just eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, um, no sugar, no flour, really being healthy. And I'm feeling a difference with my mental state, mm. with my mental well-being, because I've also had depression and some of the stuff you talked about. Mm. So they, there's proven science that if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, it changes your happiness state yeah, as really? well. Yes. Diet is huge, Jeremy. Because I know you said you've suffered from mm. depression and stuff. Mm. And anybody that's mm. listening, diet is hugely important. And you'll feel so good if you cut out sugar and flour. Mm. Flour. Flour. How comes flour? Sugar and flour are actually drugs. So oh. if you look at the – no, seriously, <laughs> think about this for a minute. If you take the inner workings of a poppy seed and you and you um, siphon it down, it becomes heroin. Yep. And if you take it from the coca leaf, it becomes co cocaine. So you're just purifying the inner substance. Yeah. Same thing with sugar. Same thing with flour. You're taking the inner um, molecular uh, molecules. Yeah, molecules, and you're purifying it down to a powdery substance. So if you look on the internet and you look at what sugar, what flour what cocaine, oh. what heroin looks like. It's all the same kind of powdery oh. thing. So it's it's actually not natural and it causes a lot of food addiction. Right. A lot of food addiction is driven by sugar and flour because they're actually drugs. That's so fascinating. Yeah. And it, w they must endure a similar process then to extract or something rather in order to... Yeah. To You're taking the inner layer. I don't know how to say the, it exactly. The most po potent element of yes. that thing, yes. maybe. and purifying it. Yeah, wow. Purifying it to a powdery substance. Isn't that fascinating? Yes. That's interesting. I've never heard it put like yep. that before. And then there's a lot of food addiction, a lot of obesity, a lot of disease, a lot of diabetes, a lot of cancer. I believe a lot of this could be cured by food. Yeah, wow. Oh, and I'm thought down for that, like whole foods and organic. And My spiritual teacher said there are three things that impact your well-being. The food you eat, the company you keep 
and the stars astrology. Oh, beautiful! Because some of it is guided by the stars. And in in the the food and the people, I definitely that feels very true. And the stars, I suppose, in the can you go deeper on that one? Yeah. So it's your astrology. So. There's Vedic astrology, there's Western astrology, where you look at your chart. Mm. So you come into this world based on your birth time, your birthplace, your your birth date. Um, there's a whole sort of karmic pattern laid out for you of mm. what's in the cards for you and what's in your destiny. Mm. And then you have free will over it. Um, you can You can change your sort of direction of your life, but a lot of it are influences on your chart based on the stars that impact your well-being mm. you might be going through a dark time it's in your chart that you're going through a dark time so a lot of it is predetermined um if you do a lot enough spiritual practice you can change your chart yeah you can unstress all the karma or, yeah exactly or the conditioning exactly I, um i i like that i i definitely know that there's not enough science around it yet but i definitely sense that there's absolute truth in just that we're born into we're, we're we're earthlings, right? So we're born on this earth, and the the nature of our construct of our anatomy must be in some way like everything in nature in rhythm in cycle. And so the, our our body and our journey must be in cycle with something more cosmic than totally than what we we perceive. I suppose the trick is finding good or intelligent enough astrologers that um, absolutely. Because I know there's a big difference between Vedic astrology and Western astrology. Correct. Like I'm a, I'm a different star sign in both of them. Correct. Pisces and then I'm I'm Sagittarius, I think, in Vedic. And yeah, so it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And it does help because I, I also agree that everything in nature is there's is patterns and laws and rhythms. Totally. And so we're different personalities that succumb to, or not succumb, you know behave to different patterns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a big believer in it, yeah. the astrology. I found there to be tremendous accuracy in people that have read my chart mm, in mm. terms of what it's pinpointed in my life. Mm, mm. Mm. And it helps just to give you some roadmap, roadmap and understanding yeah. of things. Totally. Beautiful. Yep. How cool. Well, that's been absolutely lovely, Soup. I, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you've shared. Thanks. For, thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. Everything from footy to Trump to women's <laughs> empowerment. <laughs> I know. We jumped all over. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much. You guys, every, anyone that wants to follow you, go just Google your name. She Creates Change. Because then you change. get on my mailing list. You can reach out to me, www.shecreateschange.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. 